Today we have Samuel Whiting on the show. He's a certified Wim Hof Method instructor, has worked with and been inspired by revered mentors, coaches, and scientists like Wim Hof, Dr. Jack Feldman, Dr. Andrew Huberman of Stanford University's Department of Neurobiology. Sam's background evolved in the discipline of elite alpine ski racing, power yoga, adventure challenges, and has extensive experience consulting with high-level executives, athletes, and special operators. He shares empowering lifestyle tools to cultivate laser focus, a wielding spirit, and a fortified mind and body. Sam works from a principle based in biological approach to empower individuals to understand the underlying mechanisms of technique and practice as an access to evolutionary potential and discovery of the extraordinary. Sam is on a mission to empower others to realize what is possible in their lives and inspire the connection between the power of the mind and nature. Clients love his sessions, programs, and retreats because they feature a combination of simple and clear instruction, adventurous self-exploration, light science and theory, and the opportunity to discover your unique growing edge. All right. Welcome, Sam. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. We feel so lucky to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) All right. For our listeners who don't know you, can you explain a little bit about your work, your body of work? Well, I'd say that it's very much an evolutionary process in the origins. I grew up in Massachusetts on the East Coast, and I'd say I was really fortunate growing up in that I was exposed to a lot of deep nature uh, where my family raised us. We were just next to 600 acres of conservation land. I grew up going to wilderness camps up in Maine. Starting when I was eight years old, I'd leave for three and a half weeks. And back then we didn't have cell phones. Um, but it was, there were certain conditions there where you, you didn't have candy. <laughs> um, we would, after lunch, you would take time to write letters. And so that was really like the first time being out in the wild. We'd go on kayaking trips. I learned to sail, shooting archery. So I was very much immersed in nature, learning how to build campfires and, and just a sense of camaraderie and teamwork grew up playing sports, tennis, a lot of family activities. That's amazing. I feel yeah. like I'm going to need the name of that camp. It's called it. Camp Chewonky. <laughs> that is the is. best name ever. I love that because I think that's modern kids don't get that. I was just saying that to someone the other day about I grew up on farms and going to farms. My grandparents had a farm. And I just think that being out in nature in that way is something that people are losing, you know? Yeah, I'd always like to say, stay close to nature. It'll yeah. it'll show you the truth. It'll be it'll humble you. It it exposes the simplicity and and reveals the beauty of life. And mm-hmm. that's really what was my calling. From even ski racing became my primary sport. As wow. I got into high school, I went to an elite winter sports academy in Vermont, and there was really deep discipline and intense training that was involved in that sport. And really that became my full focus. So there was strength training, cycling, hill sprints. And our, our coach was, was this Czech Republic world-class coach, and he was really intense on everybody. <laughs> so in some capacity, that discipline served me well, but it also was very challenging on the emotional and the mental side, especially when ski racing is a very individual sport. Though you are with a team and training together, it's just you on that course. And you make a mistake or you crash, there's a lot of g-forces and the speed so little subtleties you can end up blowing out and have a big crash or even you know every little micro movement takes a hundredth of a second off so it's so close and competitive and being at that level it 
over time weighed on me. I recognize we're going kind of in a, in a direction here from the question, but this was really part of my starting point in exploring what I'm exploring now. And those hardships and the challenges, the, the self-doubt, the anxieties of being in a competitive environment that was really inspired by getting out and having fun in nature. I loved learning to ski, and then that became my passion, the dream to someday be in the Olympics. Some friends of mine who I trained with went on to go to those levels. But as the pressure mounted for me and I started becoming my own worst enemy in a way from crashing, I'd get down on myself. It was just very emotional and, and hard in that way that I, I chose to retire from ski racing when I went into college and kind of enjoyed a, a relief from that level of commitment in, in a sport specifically and, and had a relief to just get to hang out with friends because that was something I didn't really do in the, a lot in high school since I was traveling and training. There was a certain layer of or level of, of focus and, and commitment to that training that was necessary and and the pressure of the coaches that there was there was testing when you came back to school so you you were kind of sized up and then you would almost be judged if you didn't meet the certain standards and marks so there was that layer of pressure as well and it just felt great to choose to retire from skiing I ended up getting in or rediscovering music again when I was a kid I learned to play piano and that was always very intuitive I, I couldn't read the music, but it was all by ear. So my, I had this Russian piano player who would, piano teacher, and mm. he would just play a little bit of the song, and I'd memorize it. And like lesson by lesson, we'd piece together a whole song or a musical piece, and and that was sort of my learning process. I've always been very visual and vivid in that way. I struggled to read growing up, so I'd always look mm. at the picture. My dad would joke at me and be like, come on, take your time and read. And I'd be like, no, I can see how it's done, so I'll just make it happen. Yeah, uh, why do I need to learn how to read? <laughs> oh my God, I, that makes sense to me. It, it just does. felt so simple. Like, I can see how it's supposed to be, so let me just do it. Well, and it's a form of language, right? It's your visual, obviously, visual learner. I'd say so, yeah, yeah. I've always felt connected to imagination and being creative in that way, kind of learning through the feeling of things. Mm. And and that's what brought me from this jambled story of piano, creativity, nature, competitive sport, retiring from that and having it all come back around when in college house music was kind of popping at the time and a few friends were DJing. And I was like, oh, I want to do that too. And there was something about like, syncing songs together and playing with textures and layers and and how that evoked a feeling in you and that became like my passion and I throughout college started doing gigs and I lived in France my junior year where I took on a residency and even started playing at these um, small little European discotheques <laughs> and it was a blast like just being around culture and being with people that's always been something that I feel drawn to so it, it, it really served me at the time as a creative outlet and really then what I recognize as a way of expression and, and how we can explore what is our own natural expression and connect to activities or pursuits that give us this feeling of, of freedom and vibrancy in, in what it is to be alive. So that, that was kind of the next tipping point and what another thing that I committed myself to starting a small little boutique record label with one of my close friends was really this collective of 
reaching out to artists we liked, doing a guest mix, and slowly over time we released some small little EP albums. And and right at that time was also this next pivotal shift. I, I had been fortunate to grow up very close to family. My mom and my dad saw it, holidays, birthdays, celebrations that we all would come together for. And as I went off to college, there, that, that frequency changed as I was out living my life and, and doing my endeavors. But suddenly, in this pursuit of music, my mom's dad passed away very suddenly. And he was saying goodnight to my grandmother and just bent down to turn off the, the nightlight. Mm-hmm. And when he stood up, he got a little dizzy and he fell down the stairs. And it was a tragic and sudden loss that, and I had never experienced anything like that. So it struck me in a, in a way, things that we go through in life have a way of, of teaching us something or serving as a way to remember. And, and that taught me and encouraged me to appreciate the people that we have in our life and, and to really, when it comes to the opportunities to being with those that we love even if we don't recognize what that is, to then not go on living our life wishing that we had been there when we could have. Mm-hmm. And, and that just was something I really felt. like Not that I wasn't there all the time, but it's just when you're in the presence of somebody or when you're around and you have an opportunity to be there that you can be present and show up and really enjoy that time together to connect and, and to savor the flavor, as he always would tell me, mm-hmm. um, when he would give me a lifesaver mm. <laughs> to take oh, your time <laughs> and the deeper meaning around it. Yeah. Right? To really appreciate yeah. and, and bask in, in that presence together. And you know, I feel like so many moments, whether it's with family or friends or people we come across that it can be so surface and, and it's sort of like our attentions in 17 different places. We're texting yeah. and we're, we're kind of listening, but we're not really there or present. And it's so easy to get tethered to the past or the future, but mm-hmm. that's really the art of, what is the art of being and how we can truly experience being present with somebody. And, and that's kind of where this next spring popped up for me because my whole family came together in preparation for his service and my cousins and everyone was there. My, my, my mom and, and her siblings were doing some of that preparation. They said, why don't you guys go do something? And one of them, my cousins suggested, oh, let's go to a yoga class. And I had done a little bit of asana in my training for ski racing, but I had never been to a hot yoga room, and I walked right into those doors with no expectations, didn't even know what I was getting myself into. I hadn't really drank any water that day, but I just hopped in. It was a totally packed room and this intense vinyasa practice. And it was just like the perfect combination of things, of the intensity, the heat, the, the dynamic of the movements and that kind of resonated to my experience from sport with the training to then this feeling of play even with climbing trees riding my bike being out in the wild it felt kind of like the wild in there it was like a safari the walls were dripping it was sweaty I was totally drenched and throughout my time learning and growing up struggling to read thinking I was stupid because I couldn't do math well. All of those other lies or insecurities that could come up from competitive sport, competition, comparison, that for the first time, I could always get caught up in thought and that would build anxiety or you'd feel this sort of 
pull on yourself and near the end of that class and the cueing of breathing and the ujjayi breathing that resonant oceanic or darth vader however <laughs> you connect to it i felt well totally like exerted from the class but for the first time or in a unique way like i got out of thinking and i just dropped into this feeling and this connection to myself in a unique way that had me coming back the next day and the next day and i just started to build a consistent yoga practice that really started with breathing and and from there i never thought i would teach anything that was kind of the last thought i never considered that but through consistent practice and becoming getting inv- invited to go to some trainings finding some mentors there was this sort of calling to want to start teaching or really sharing and that's what really stands out when you start to explore in yourself and have in these insights and and this connection to all of the experiences you've had in life and these breakthroughs or these breakdowns that you feel compelled to share in a way and and what really captivated me with what was happening in the in the studios where I was practicing was that it wasn't like the teacher wasn't there to teach they weren't trying to tell you what to do it was more this container of creating a space for greatness and possibility and and i was very drawn to that quality of leadership and creating a space for somebody to recognize that in themselves as i was doing and i felt inspired to explore that craft which was kind of the starting point for me with all of the experience i had to that point kind of breathing being that spark that fueled the light for me to want to share that with the world and so it's always been an intuitive pursuit i i i feel i follow a feeling and i'm drawn to these sort of insights and wisdom of nature and over that time it connected me with a man named Wim Hof who a lot of people have heard of at this point um him as a pioneer and a visionary similarly where he his story is unique because he was actually a twin and his brother was born first but they at the time with the medical industry they didn't know that there was another baby right it happens sometimes mm-hmm. and his mother was like there's some there's something wrong and they're like oh you're having uh postpartum contractions etc and they recognized that there was another and Wim was in there so he was actually <laughs> swimming around he swim, was swimming around <laughs> exactly and he's like coming out hypoxic and he had this very traumatic experience into this world from birth and as you can go on to hear his stories we won't go totally into it all that was kind of this experience in his life to then start seeking and going into the cold innovating and exploring these breathing techniques and his other stories of pain from losing his wife to suicide and and raising his children and all of the pursuits that he went through to then begin challenging himself and processing emotion and and pain from those losses and and what he had been through in life i it just his his energy is infectious and and the way he spoke to nature was very resonant to my experience so i just intuitively felt called to go and try those techniques and after years of intense vinyasa yoga and and breathing techniques in that discipline 
trying another practice took me to a whole different experience and I felt called to then pursue exploring that path which I loved because Wim became this um, explorer of science he wanted like there's so much esoteric side of things and there's so much that we don't know about nature and sort of the, the mystery or the mysticism which is beautiful and on the other side science which still has a lot of work to do but the way it can connect dots and 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 very grounded in the physiology so i was curious then to open up a whole new pathway of learning in how we can create deeper connection with practice understanding the mechanism of physiology to then how we can engage with that consciously through tools like breathing and and that was really the next stage and continuation to where I've gone to at this point of exploring neuroscience uh, the layers of the nervous system and infusing that I like to call it the merging of science art and nature and how that can allow us to tap into a sense of purpose of inspiration and really experiencing the beauty and the what is extraordinary in life within ourselves and around us amazing so beautiful (laughs) one million things that i wanted to talk to you about through that speech um i love it feels like a through line which you know that comes up a lot with some of our guests and the people that we were most interested in talk to and and that is that you're following like sort of the universe's breadcrumbs or another way to say that is you're following your curiosity and your natural passions and i love to see people do that and sort of give themselves over to that process and have trust in following these passions and and I love these eclectic backgrounds that sort of serve as the perfect makeup. It's like you couldn't construct that journey right for yourself as a teenager or whatever. Like this is the road I'm going to take, but by following those breadcrumbs, um, it just these all these disparate paths, competitive, you know, sports and all of the sort of discipline required combined with this wild creativity and nature. That's just it's such a beautiful mix. I can totally relate to these weird life experiences you put them all together and you're like I totally understand why I have this mix now why my toolbox is filled in this way um, to do beautiful things so what can you talk a little bit about how your work is now so you've got this history and now we know where you where you've come from so what now is how you're showing up and working with um, the teams that you're leading we just saw that you just led something for the 49ers which is amazing Um, how what does that look like Oh, well, thank you for the kind words, firstly. I think I heard this quote recently that just came to mind and I thought was was powerful and beautiful in its own because it's all about perspective as we're on our journey. Um, the way we see things, it's like who who is looking through and there's so much influence that we can have on ourselves and so pressures true. we can put on ourselves of like, oh, this is how I should be. And I relate to that in a sense because... So many friends were going to business school. My family for 150 years had a, a, a local small business and that was kind of what I was steeped in and and had this idea that, oh, well, I'm supposed to go to business school and, and I'm going to go into investing or whatever it is. I actually did work in a bank, a corporate bank for some time while I was training to teach yoga. But, and, and they were compliments. Like I could have been at the desk and thinking like, oh, I'm not doing what I love to do because I often would dream while I was sitting at the desk doing, you know, mutual fund processing. Like 
I want to just go to be at the yoga studio and I'd be dreaming of like teaching and having my life fully engaged into this dream that I had. But I also then softened that to say, well, the work I'm doing right now is also supporting me to be able to do that dream. Mm -hmm. It helped me to fund going to trainings and to travel and to build those experiences. So back to the quote, it was when we feel like we're in such darkness that we're it's like we're getting buried and be like, wow, okay, like I'm being buried alive. I can't I can't see the light. I'm done. I'm I'm everything's falling apart. But again, it's back to perspective. Maybe right. it is just that you've been planted. Right. And you're not being buried, but you're planted. You're still in this darkness, but that's a beautiful place to be because it's where there's faith in the seed to grow. And we don't know how we're going to grow and what our expressions will be, but if we can be blessed for it to be honest and natural in, in its evolution, which which is what brought me to this past year in its own unique evolution um i was primarily based on the east coast and through through my endeavors of training working with wim i made close friendship with my friend reese peluso um, who's the co-founder of and ceo of our breath collective we got super close and we started collaborating together i had a few opportunities to come out to encinitas in california and and I never thought I would live out here, um, but from coming out to do some workshops, to go visit my mentor, Andrew Huberman at Stanford for a visit to the lab, all of a sudden I ended up coming back over to California more and kind of sporadically throughout a few the past few years. Naturally, the pandemic put a lot of that on pause, but within the work that we were collaborating on uh, with the teacher training that our Breath Collective leads, uh, last summer I came out here and... And then I haven't left. So <laughs> it's that's what happens here. The natural progression. I mean, I have my family still on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. I'll go back to visit. I'm I'm leading programs at a center called Kripalu, um, out in Western Mass in the Berkshires. And really, yeah, well. all, my work takes me all over the place. So I love this sense of adventure that comes from sharing, mm-hmm. breathing, nervous system education, cold exposure, unique articulations of of movement, the container of movement to breathing mechanics and ultimately all practice from the perspective I like to share from is in building awareness, awareness to our bodies, our minds, our brains, our, our spirit, and how deliberate action drives us and steers us in a certain way. And, and there's no right or wrong to that, but this openness of evolution and development as those words continue to come up, I'll try not to use them too much, but (laughs) I think there's just, it can get so fixed as to one modality or how something should be. And I like to burst the bubble of simply being in the possibility of letting the nature take shape. So this year has been unique in that way from doing a lot of work specifically within breathing, uh, the Wim Hof method, cold exposure, and, and then adventuring, going out into nature to have my own inquiry and, and adventuring with my partner and, and other friends that take us to beautiful places inside and out. Right. And and from that, we have these crossovers and, you know, we can have the dreams and sit inside and be in wonder of like, oh, I need to get it done or I, I want to go out and have this beautiful life. But in, in taking action and getting out there is sort of where the magic happens 
because you meet somebody and then all of a sudden paths cross. And so I became close friends with Mike Posner. He's a Grammy nominated musician. Mm -hmm. And he, through his journey, came across the Wim Hof method. So that's sort of where our paths intersected. And he came and uh, co-led the Kripalu weekend this past April. And, and through that um, and opportunities that were coming up, he was going to work with the 49ers team. And so both of us went up to Santa Clara, I think that's where it is, mm-hmm. and, and had this amazing day working with some high, high, serious high-level athletes, which right. was a really amazing experience. Um, I've worked with a range of different athletes, worked with corporate CEOs, um, I like to joke I'm the CEO whisperer <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, and ultimately the pursuit to make this work accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. And so that built a whole new evolution of a online platform that I'm personally offering now with weekly live stream sessions. I'm working with some corporate wellness programs and really just experimenting and innovating. It's like, it's like my personal science experiment of how, <laughs> can I serve and how can I empower and inspire all different walks of life? And so that's what I'm committed and passionate about right now. And, and that there's so much to learn, like being with the 49ers, you see these guys who are top of their game and through five rounds of Wim Hof breathing, you know, they're so physically fit. You stand next to one of those guys and they make, I'm I'm six three, but they make me feel like I'm a I'm a little I pea, <laughs> and and just what they've been through to get to that level, right. and after the breathing session, without exposing too much, there were just such beautiful shares, and and it's like that practice always cracks you open. There's some insight the breathing wants you to feel, an emotion maybe that's been hiding out under the surface, a memory, and you know some of these guys from growing up around gangs. Be, having little means and and just the heartfelt stories that were shared and and the challenges that are still being experienced of like anxiety and sleep and the pressure of performance that there was such a relief like you could see it through the tears the weight off the shoulders of like wow oh it's okay and like the love and the coming together of the team to support each other it's just such a remembering we get so caught up in those pressures and when we can when we have those moments of remembering it's, it's so beautiful to then remember what it is how, how simple life can be and that's what i think extraordinary living is we you know that's so conceptual what is an extraordinary life and i think well it means just giving ourselves some space yeah. and even if you give the word extraordinary space it means extraordinary just super simple. <laughs> I love it. I would, I would love to hear specifically what the breathing techniques are. I've experienced breath work and I love it. It's been extraordinary. Um, but then how does that work? I want to hear about your online program too, like and how you do that remotely. Thank you. Well, what I'd love to start with is that for however long that we've been going in this podcast, for people listening, for us all in this co-regulation together and the sharing we've all been breathing (laughs) and maybe just the cue of it even brings us into the recognition that it's been happening and that's what it is is breathing's happening 
just like all the things in life, the sounds happening around us, all the movement, the, the unique expressions of life coming through. And life is such a, a unique um, movement of breathing. And breathing happens the second we come into this world, and it's the last thing that we do as we leave this life. So I was reflecting on it recently. If we sleep maybe half our life, and throughout our days we're mostly unconscious, because we can't be fully conscious of every single thing. If we were conscious of every muscle in our body, we would end up having a seizure. We can't do all of these things at once. The brain's in its still unknown makeup from this neuroscience exploration, it's constantly filtering and processing these things that we are at some level, there's so much stimulus happening around us, but we can only focus on certain things at a time. And, and breathing is one of those. Like that's why it's part of the autonomic nervous system is that it, it's hap it's a happening. It happens automatically. And there are times that we do focus on a breath even if all of us now and everyone listening were to just take an extra full inhale and then sigh it out oh, what a relief that's just good that's really good just in one breath that we can shift our attention in a way and over time mm -hmm. through practice that develops as a skill because what's unique about breathing such a fundamental action or behavior in, in our in our nervous system is that it's unconscious or it can be conscious and well i like to break the nervous system down into five parts it's sent it's responsible to for sensation sensing temperature pressure heat etc so many different things that it can sense light and then perception uh, space time self, other, threats, thoughts. Naturally, thoughts are always happening. Um, even if you're a super advanced meditator, I think a lot of people get caught up in the idea of meditation and they're like, what do I do? But it's like, well, just be and, and watch and be this observer. It's not about not having thoughts. The fourth one is that we have our feelings, our emotions. And the fifth is action or behavior. And... I like to come from the perspective that breathing is a behavior. So if you think, if someone were to come around the corner real quick, there's a certain expression that the breath would have. <gasps> or you just get home after a long day and you get on the couch and it's just so cozy to let go and relax. And there's an expression that comes through, a behavior in the breathing. <sighs> or we get stressed and we feel that. <sighs> there's so many unique articulations of breathing. It's a highly labile and very robust system that's constantly regulating from moment to moment based on the stimulus, the thoughts, the feelings, the perceptions that are happening. So no one breath is the same. We take about 600 million to a billion breaths in our life. Wow. And you know, everybody's average will be a little bit different. And so I think of that even as a breath bank. If we think of like our life energy if each breath is fleeting, then and most breaths are unconscious, then how how impeccable are we being with the deliberateness of how we're living our life? And a lot of time we can build bad breathing habits or 
certain experiences embed a way of, of being in our breathing, and that can lead to anxiety. It can lead to a certain postural holding pattern, among many other things. So that's sort of, I'm sharing this in the, really the fascination around such a subtlety that is breathing and and really where I come from when it in in this relation to the nervous system, our state of being, and that there's a state of breathing for a state of being. And on the other hand, our state of being impacts our state of breathing. So again, all practices come back to this sense of building awareness that simple thing to just watch our breathing through the day even though most of the time it's going to be unconscious it's those little moments when we catch ourselves whether it's just mouth breathing and over time we educate and build a deeper understanding of those impacts like chronic mouth breathing and over breathing has an impact on the architecture of our face and how if our jaw is just opened and even if people are listening right now and you just open your mouth and kind of breathe in and out through it, mm-hmm. you can feel that it even dries out your mouth a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a whole microbiome that lives in your mouth and enzymes for digestion, uh, gum health, all of that is connected and symptoms related to chronic mouth breathing, uh, the closing of the airways, uh, even the support and the development of the bones in the face. If we're chronically mouth breathing, you could consider that over time you become like a wax figure that got too close to a flame and your face kind of melts because when your when your jaws touch it closed your lips are touched and the tongue is resting at the roof of the mouth in its baseline supporting position the roof of the mouth is the base of the nasal passage and when we have that support system it allows the roof of the mouth the palate and thus the base of the nasal cavity to to widen and it's kind of a if you don't use it you lose it scenario if you're breathing in and out through your mouth all the time then what happens is the roof of the mouth starts to collapse and thus the nasal passage collapses Hmm. and then it feels more challenging or harder to breathe through the nose which is the primary pathway air is filtered through it it's conditioned so it's like an optimal humidity or dryness based on the environment that you're in so that exchange of air inside the lungs is is primed to for effective oxygen and carbon dioxide delivery Um, there's also nitric oxide that lives inside the paranasal sinuses so locally in the nose you have this amazing molecule of nitric oxide which has been clinically shown to be an antibacterial an antifungal and an antiviral it's also a vasodilator so cardiovascular disease is one of the number one killers in north america and we have this amazing compound inside of our body that something like humming, for example, doing that for 10 breaths or a couple minutes, even a day, has shown to release nitric oxide over tenfold. So after you extend the exhale and you breathe in through your nose, all of that nitric oxide that gets released then is drawn into the lungs and brought systematically through the body. And I find that interesting and, and unique about of these nuances within breathing physiology, respiration itself. And I forget exactly where we were going with all of this, but... Um, it's a fascinating <laughs> journey. Just, <laughs> right, no, I'm like, what? Do we have questions to ask? 
Um, that I that when you explain it like that, it's it bringing obviously brings such awareness to actually all of the things that are happening physiologic physiologically as you're you know before you enter into your actual practice of doing it. Is is that part of your program when you're because obviously you've obviously worked with Huberman and 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 the science to back up everything that you're doing is what it sounds like, right? Or to to relate it all to what's actually <clears throat> happening in the body and then moving forward in that practice of it, of getting that like deeper foundational understanding of what's actually happening, which I imagine is. Yeah, it's really a combination. I, I like to say backed by science and tested in nature. Yeah. So the one thing about all the science is that it will continue to evolve. And through Andrew Huberman, I connected with Dr. Jack Feldman. He's at UCLA, really the leading neurobiologist in, in respiration. And currently they're exploring the connection to breathing and emotion. And they recently were successful in teaching mice how to meditate, That's uh, crazy. which he won't disclose the mechanism or mm -hmm. the way that they've achieved this in how they're analyzing the activity of the brain but i just share that all in the sense that let us stay open to the possibilities a, a paper comes out and we get some some fact and and i'm more in pursuit of that where we're looking for facts not opinions and truths not trends mm -hmm. and there's so many trends and things that we can draw to whether it's nutrition certain ways of yeah. movement certain ways of breathing whatever it may be but if we can continue to look into the nature of it and find this really crystallization of philosophy. There's, I mean, yeah. these techniques have been around from traditions of thousands of years, which I think is so beautiful. There's something that was intuitive there. They didn't have the science to go into what we're doing today in a laboratory and clinical setting. So people have been onto something for a long time, whether you're doing Kapalabhati, alternate nostril breathing, Ujjayi, like they're all beautiful practices. And so I like to pull from the whole well of, of nature and, and science and find a way that in unique situations, depending on the groups I'm working with, you know, there's some people that love to just practice and they want, they've, they've had experience with practice and they want someone to guide them uh, in workshops. For example, I like to paint a picture so we can understand tradition where things came from, the, the whys, looking at some of the most relevant research, exploring the connection of breathing to the nervous system, in that we can breathe in certain ways to build focus or alertness or build energy and feel more energized. And we can also breathe in certain ways that make us feel calm or cascade us into a state of sleep even a hybrid of them where we're feeling alert but with a relaxed awareness. So it's creative in that way that I actually just worked with somebody yesterday who did did the session that I led wearing an EEG um, mm. brain helmet and he is a very health exuberant type of explorer and he's got all types of biohacking things on um, and he had been working with Herbert Benson, um, who's uh, a clinical, a very revered scientist in meditation with a certain relaxation technique for meditation. 
And the whole focus, as has been outlined and from what I explored, was amplifying alpha brain waves. And having done that technique for some time, he was surprised when I led a very down-regulatory breathing practice. It incorporated stuff like humming, longer exhales, that extra full inhale like we did. Let's take another one. I know. Why won't do anything? And then take another little sip. And then burst the exhale. Just pop it like a bubble. So I like to infuse all these different breath behaviors or patterns. And from that 30-minute session we did, after he looked at the data, he said he had never seen such high alpha brain waves through all of his meditation and, and, and working with Herbert Benson directly. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, this just happened yesterday, so I'm excited wow. to share about it. But um, I want to keep connecting those dots. I mean, I wear a wearable. I know a lot of yeah. people are exploring those quantitative type of pieces to mm-hmm. things. Um, You're like a breathwork DJ, <laughs> you know, mixing and layering all the different kinds of modalities within breath. And I love that you're using your creativity just like you did in music and breath work and pulling it together and spinning it your own way, you know? It's way beautiful. to say. Way to play. <laughs> oh, that's a cool metaphor. Yeah. You gotta spin it. You gotta spin it. I love it. And look at the brainwave result. That's amazing. First, I do think sometimes in wholeness, wellness, whatever, you know, term you wanna to use, um, there are a lot of times people get stuck in a way, right? Like this is the way you breathe or this is the way you eat. And I love that. Um, I always get the most passionate in talking to people who are bringing creativity and a fresh way of looking at things and are very open to things continuing to evolve and shape organically or however it forces like this is just the way that you do it in this box. And so it's really neat to see um, your approach to evolving the way you work. It's just very beautiful and it feels very true, you know? And um, I think there's such a magic in that when people are just listening and observing and, and pulling it in in, in a unique way um, versus following someone's path. I think it's very cool, whether that's in art or breathing or whatever it is, you know? Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's a really beautiful quality. Well, we're, we're all a process. Yeah in our own way and it requires a humility and a willing to let go of who we think we are for in the process of letting go we allow for the possibility of who we're becoming mm-hmm. and it takes time i always like to say inquiry takes time you know when i share even about what you could expect in a Wim Hof method breathing te- practice, for example, which is just one breathing technique. You could feel lightheaded, you could feel tingly, maybe deep emotions come through, or you feel and become aware of tensions in your body, or some little wisdom percolates and comes through, some memory, whatever it may be. I always share those expectations and then also say, you may feel none of those. And that doesn't mean that the practice isn't working, it's just over time you start to connect the dots and you know i remember in the early days of even practicing yoga like a big component of the style that i was doing was it was asana meditation and inquiry and i think a lot of the inquiry work was pulled from something like landmark with werner erhard but 
and regardless of who and, and whatever it was, there was there was a lot of questions and deep work. What are the lies you tell yourself? Where are you hiding? All of these really intense questions that you almost sometimes can be like a deer in the headlights and you're like, what? So that was sort of where this mantra of inquiry takes time came from for me to then let yourself be in that process to reflect and ultimately we can't really go into transformation in a deep way if we're constantly stuck in a sympathetic chronic stress state because we're just holding on to surviving and when we can finally relax and let go and really feel safe and feel this sense of parasympathetic tone which we could break it down whether you want to go polyvagal theory and say oh i'm in a ventral vagal state and i feel safe and connected present joyous growl all whatever words are connected to that that from there at least the physiology and the nervous system opens up the possibility for you to be in a deeper contemplative state it's hard to I mean, I, there's this one Instagram page I love. It's called North American Rescue. And just I revere my sister's a police officer. So I just have so much respect. My grandfather was in the Navy in World War II. And I've grown up in just in the history of things and, and seeing first responders and just having so much respect for people who put themselves on the line for the safety of others. And I agree. It's a noble it's a noble cause of service and and I feel in my own unique way I'm serving humanity and and I just look to in this case the the North American fire rescue there there like when you're in such a high alert state like there isn't time to be able to think you have to be able to respond or in most cases a lot of people react mm -hmm. and so I think that's unique within the breathing practice and the training there consistency in the practice and that it compounds to build this quality of awareness and ultimately readiness so that you can respond right like that whole phrase in between stimulus and response is the space mm -hmm. and and so can we create that space within ourselves so that we can respond and not be caught up in reacting all the time whether it's like the kids knocking something over we get that sense of agitation and all of a sudden we're like wow i feel like i'm just a volcano all the time and i'm 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 knocking people down because i'm just reacting and there's something inside of me in my nature and it doesn't mean there's anything wrong it's always to look to be compassionate to ourselves and what i like to say well oh, that's just my nature right now and that's where i'm at and i don't need to shame it but I'm in this process and I'm learning and I think that's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. So as a, I've experienced breath work, like I said earlier, a few times, but what is like an ideal practice? Is this something that like meditation is something that you should take a few minutes and do daily? Is it like a weekly course? Can people do it alone? Like tell me how to like, or let's help people who are listening maybe how do you who want to are really interested in starting a breathwork practice like what do you recommend to to do that well there are a lot of different ways to add for an entry point mm -hmm. i think you go to youtube and there's all kinds of info out there mm -hmm. and so i don't want to tell anybody how they should get started i i think 
the invitation is for them to take a step. Mm. And the, the, the journey requires taking a step, whether it's somebody who, whatever their goal is, mm. whether it's a lifestyle intervention to let go or move through depression or pain or grieving or looking to amplify their metabolic efficiency or build this capacity for stress because all of those things are very much what you can open up through a breathing practice. And, and that's really where I started offering this new platform I have, which is weekly live guided sessions that are live streamed. And so I lead a session on Monday morning at 8 a.m. PST, at which I call Inspire Series every week. Is that week. on Instagram or is that it's, on your website? Yeah, it's on my okay. website, okay. samuelwhiting.com. Okay. I share it on my Instagram yep. stories and make posts about it and of like what's coming up so people can find it there if they want to tune in. But it's all built into this interactive platform. You create a login account. You can get an app. You can download the app. So you can really take it anywhere you want to go. Yeah. And and there's a you can join for that live stream, Inspire Series. Each week there's a, a different practice or a different theme. And then within the platform as well, I have um, an offering that I call Sleep Wake. Mm. And so sleep power down cycle is on uh, Monday night at 7 p.m. PST and wake power up cycle is at 8 a.m. on Tuesdays. So I start the week off with live guided practices and those all become on demand. So the whole aim in my approach is firstly, it's fun to breathe with other people. There's a sense of, of coming together, of consistency and support and just knowing that you're not alone. So it's great to start the week with inspiration, as I like to say, and you can join for those sessions. Sleep wake's really about optimizing your circadian rhythm. So we're not some of the practices more so on the sleep side aren't always just breathing. It can be non-sleep deep rest, which is like yoga nidra, mm -hmm. a meditation, or like awareness-based practices that also infuse breathing. Um, but that we start with live guided, and then I also encourage and want people to to practice on their own and not rely on someone like me because I think any empowered guide or humble guide would say okay you go do your thing I don't want anybody to ever rely on me and and I've actually seen it a lot lately I've been thinking about it where someone I've seen comments on Instagram where someone or people are resharing messages they get from people that are like thank you so much you changed my life. And I was actually laughing about it earlier, not to, to belittle in any way, but it's just back again, back to perspective. And I was like, no, they didn't change your life. Something that you read, you resonated with, and it was a cause for you to do that yourself. Right. So there is an exchange mm -hmm. happening here, but again, in my own humbleness that it's like, I want, that's what empowerment is giving somebody the tool and letting them drink from the cup and not trying to have them eat the cup or have, feel like there's this uh, attachment to you in that, you know, someone comes out of a breathing session and they're like, that was so amazing, like, you're so amazing. And I'm like, well, that's, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. And <laughs> but feeling that gratitude is nice. Like yeah. in that state of gratitude, of course. Yeah. Indeed. But, but I do love that though. I think that the best healers, practitioners have that for me, the ones that I have strong resonance with are the ones that are based in, 
you know, humbleness, humility, and service and understanding that it's either the practice or it's the divine, you know, that is creating this experience. And then I love the idea. I think we're all trying to learn to trust ourselves and realize like, I don't need you to fill the cup. I can fill it myself, but oh gosh, it's great to have guides and it's great to have support and community to, you know, to breathe in community or to whatever in community. So I love that you say that because that's something that I always look for, you know, as I'm sort of looking to like work with someone or Courtney and I collaborate with through four moons. I always look for that sort of humility and service because you know, I come from a nonprofit background. So service is my total bedrock too. So I'm always thinking if that's not, that has to be shared to me because I do think there's, there are a lot of people out there who want people to know I'm changing lives and it's, it's all about me. And I do think there's an element of that at play in the larger spiritual community. And that's um, a part of the community that I don't really resonate with, you know? So I love your approach. It seems to me too that you have such a student brain, which I also admire. You seem to walk through life with this open mindset to learn from it. And that is, I think, a really beautiful quality to enter into every experience is what, what is this here to teach me? What is this here to show me? And how is this going to impact my road and, you know, the courses that I take? And um, I just think that that particular mindset is one, you know, following curiosity breadcrumbs is such a beautiful way to navigate the world and be moved by it. It's really neat. Thank you. Breathwork's always been medicine for me. It's always mm. really just opened up, um, you know, a, a place and held space, so to speak, um, in myself to process. And I, I love moving energy in that way. And we're super excited because we've been talking about you coming and actually doing a workshop with us at Four Moons in person. I know we still have to talk about a date, but that is it's something. Coming. Yeah. <laughs> and, and potentially in the next couple months. So um, whenever Definitely this airs. Definitely this summer. Yeah. Uh, Summer we're, 2022. Yeah, we're we're really excited about that. And um, that's July. Yeah, we'll 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 figure out a date and get it going soon so we can experience you in person. Yeah, is that going to be including cold plunges or that's cold that's the plan? That's nice. the hope. Yeah, um, we have some things to discuss. Yeah. I, I want I acknowledge both of you for the beautiful work you're doing. It's yeah. it's such a pleasure to be here for this discussion and sharing. And I've admired your space and and you for the work that you do. And it's such a contribution to community and bringing people together. I think that's such a, a pillar within a beautiful life and, and empowering others. And, you know, some of what I shared before was somewhat of a, my own reflection of looking at things and the humbleness of what it is to be of service and, mm -hmm. and to be a leader and how we can create safe spaces for people to come together and be in their process and, how much we can learn from each other and that's that's what i love about getting to share is there's things i've i've pulled from my own curiosity and the breadcrumbs from the universe mm -hmm. and and also what i love about a workshop for example or working one-on-one -on -one, doing corporate wellness programs working with teams and beyond is that i learn so much from other people I think we're running out of time, unfortunately, because I feel like we could sit here for hours and yeah. and hear you talk, yeah. articulate your work in a beautiful <laughs> way. I, I'll <laughs> gladly keep it rolling. We'll have you back. Better yet, we'll yeah. have you back again. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so the the name of this podcast is "What's Your Download." So before we close each episode, we ask um, the final question: 
What's your download and what would you like to leave the listeners with today? Mm, I love it. There's nothing like a final question that you are put on the spot with in this sense. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's what I love is the pursuit of honest, natural expression. And that question brings and rings true to the heart of spontaneity and that's what my download is is to be open to the possibilities that are right out in front of you that even when we feel like maybe we don't know what and where we're going along the path of life that there's so much there for you and to not get caught up in trying to get somewhere but to allow yourself to be where you are and through surrendering to that that everything falls into place and and that by also observing and studying the transition from exhale to inhale is where you can truly experience and learn the art of patience because we're so drawn to productivity, getting the things done, going from this place to the next, that even in talking about it in this way, which I'm doing very intentionally, there's just like this long drawn out exhale and then, oh, and then we keep going. But if we can learn to pause, whether it's when we talk or how we walk or move through everything we do in the day, that that is a sacred space which is the pause after the exhale. It doesn't have to be 10 seconds. Maybe just a moment to allow yourself to fall into this emptiness where then you begin again. And that's the cycle of life. So to fall into that and recognize that that is always with you by just looking at this circle of breath and allowing that to bring you into the circle of life. And that's some Lion King action. I know. I Well, ironically, our daughters were just in Lion King, this right. production of Lion King last week. So yeah. when you said that, I was like, it's all coming I'm together. like, I can't get away from the Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen the mask she made. They were incredible. I made 30 lion masks. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am so inspired. Yeah, um, me too. You have such beautiful articulation of just life in general but also like your path on it yeah thank you thank you so much you're very welcome for coming it's, to talk to us yeah definitely it's been so fun don't forget to give us five stars follow and leave us a review on apple Podcasts, and follow us on instagram at what's your download and if you'd like to learn more about our beauty healing and wholeness space visit us at fourmoonspa.com thank, thank you, you.